0: Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder.
1: And I'm Sarah Severson, and we are the co-producers of The Raven Narratives. The story you're about to hear was told by John Kameller at our storytelling events in October at the Sunflower Theater in Cortez and the Durango Arts Center, when the theme was Spooked.
0: John lives in the woods between Mancus and Dolores with his wife and two dogs. A jack of all trades, he's worked as a river guide, high school teacher, helicopter mechanic, general contractor, dog sled guide, and most recently as an archaeologist for the Department of Interior. John struggles daily with the ought to do and the want to do. If he had more time and more motivation, John would do more yoga and walk more miles. Here is John's story.
2: When they backed out of Kosovo in 1999, the Serbian military and militias had sown the lands, uh, the, the countryside, with landmines and causing ongoing death and destruction among the civilian population there. So when my guard unit was getting ready to deploy there, um, we spent the better part of a cold, rainy, November afternoon in a sand pit on Fort Stewart, Georgia, practicing, looking for landmines. And the technique is really pretty simple. You get a, you got a probe that's about 16 inches of uh fiberglass temple material, and it's got a handle on it and you push it into the ground and you push it in at a 30 to 45 degree angle. If it's too shallow, It'll go over the top of the mine that'll kill you when you move forward, and if it's too steep, you'll hit the trigger and blow it up in your face. Um, you you push it in, and you take it out, and you move over two inches, and you push it in, and you take it out, and you push it in, and you take it out, and you do that over and over, and when you get when you've cleared an arc in front of you, you move forward two inches. And go. And so we were practicing this in the you know, we had these lanes in this great big sand pit, it was probably as wide as the stage. And we started across. And uh, you know, if I was in a helicopter unit, so the likelihood that I was actually gonna run into landmines was pretty small. But if we were to go down and be lucky enough to survive the crash, we were gonna have to clear our exits from the helicopter. Uh, starting at the door and so we were practicing and guys around me started finding minds you know and there's all the morbid humor (laughs) ha 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 I found a mind and you know it's a process that rapidly becomes boring and my mind started to wander I was cold and I was lonely And I missed home, and I became complacent. Two inches, two inches, two inches. It took me 10 minutes to move a foot. Two inches, two inches, two inches, again and again. And (smack) the probe struck something metal, and it felt like snapping a carrot in my hand. And I slammed back into my body with this nauseating lurch and had a vision of my death. Sand bubbles up, starts to fracture, and fire and hot steel comes out. My hands and forearms disintegrate like ash in the wind. And the edge of the blast catches me just under the nose fire and steel comes through my eyes and my skull rips through my head and it's so slow and so fast at the same time that I can still feel the thoughts racing through the back of my, through the gray matter expanding out the back of my head and I settle back on my heels, everything from my upper lip on a line extending above my ear, just gone, and fall on my side in a fetal curl. And I pulled the probe out of the sand and took a breath, and dread settled on me. Like all the malevolence in the world hunting me, I was going to die, and there was nothing I could do about it. I wanted to run. I looked around. There were all these guys with me. I wanted to scream. I just wanted to get up and run, all the way home to Alaska, to my wife, and home, and to being safe. I realized I couldn't even tell anybody about it. I mean, the the least they're gonna do is laugh at me, and most likely they're gonna hate me for being afraid. And this. Question erupted, who did this to me? Whose fault? Whose fault is this? Why is this happening to me? It's my fault. I had kept re-enlisting. My first six-year enlistment was eight years in the past. I liked the job. I like the guys I served with. I like flying. I like the camaraderie. That shared sense of danger. I did this. And I raced through my thoughts, trying to find the decision point to how I could back up and figure this out. Just make this one change, and this could not be happening to me. And there was nowhere to go. And this whole opened in the middle of me and pulled every piece of me in, and I became very, very angry. Nothing and no one was safe from me. I would kill every living thing that got between me and surviving. And we finished the exercise. And it rained some more, and we went to a briefing in this classroom with the air conditioner turned up full blast so we wouldn't fall asleep. And then we went back to the barracks and then went to dinner and got up the next day and trained, and got up the next day and trained, and then we deployed. And we flew missions and saw the countryside of Kosovo and It was mercifully boring. I never saw a shot fired in anger. And then we came home, and my wife and I moved down to Oregon from Alaska, and my old guard unit from Alaska sent a company over to Iraq, and about a month before I got out, Before my last enlistment ran out, they piled one in flying at night in bad weather under goggles up near Tal Afar in the north of Iraq and killed 12 people, four crew and eight passengers. And my first thought was better them than me. And I got really angry. The news would just make me enraged. Oh, the wars just ground on, and I was just angry. Any perceived slight against the army, I would become angry. Years ago, my wife stopped helping me pack the car for trips because She got sick of me biting her head off for her sloppy packing technique. See, helicopters have crashed because some loose piece of gear that was packed improperly came floating up in some maneuver and lodged in the flight controls and they couldn't pull it out and they drove it right into the ground. And I would go, from getting ready for an adventure with my sweet pea to you stupid fucking idiot. Because she had taken this thing and placed it here when clearly it went here. I was certain she was going to get me killed. About five years ago, we traveled up to Alaska to visit a friend of mine. He's like my adopted dad. He fills that fatherly role without, you know, all the complications of having to raise me and worry about me and try and shepherd me into some semblance of manhood. And he's a combat veteran. He served in Vietnam, and he saw a lot of action. And we were sitting around his kitchen table one morning talking about what it does to you to face mortal danger. And he said to my wife, I know something about him. I know it about myself. I don't want to know it about my kids and my wife, and I don't want to know it about you, but I know something about your husband. And something clicked, and that hole started to close up. And heal and we came home and time passed and I Called him on the phone one day because I recognized What he knew about me and I told him my vision and I told him my fear and my anger and my behavior And When I finished, he paused for a while and then said in a deeply kind voice, I love you.
0: Thank you John for sharing your story
1: we are scheduling our 2020 events and themes soon so be sure to check out the events page in January and make plans to be there and consider telling your story to pitch your story for future Raven narratives fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org
0: subscribe to the raven narratives podcast on apple podcasts spotify soundcloud or stitcher and share these stories with your friends if a particular story made you laugh, cry, or look at your world with a little bit more clarity, please leave a comment and let us know.
1: Thanks to photographer Jody Jarling of Wild Blue Bug Photography, who took the onstage portraits of our storytellers for the spooked events. Find out more about Jody's photography services on her website at wildbluebug.com.
0: And thanks to our fiscal nonprofit sponsor, Mancus Valley Resources. Find out more about all the wonderful projects they support in the Mancos Valley of Colorado at mancosvalleyresources.com.
1: The website for buying Raven Narratives tickets, ravennarrativestickets.org, was created by Cortez Web Services. Find out how they can help your business online at cortezweb.com.
0: Our theme music was written and composed by Mo Cooley and performed by Mo and the Motones. Find out more about their music on the Motones Facebook page. That's M-O-E Tones on Facebook.